Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. Dana Bash here. I know you love political news and history, so I think you're going to really enjoy my new podcast, Total Recall, California's Political Circus. In this series, I'll unpack the twists and turns of the 2003 recall of California Governor Gray Davis. You might remember this recall election was a really interesting one. 135 candidates ran, but it was Arnold Schwarzenegger who beat them all. In the series, you'll hear my interview with the governor himself. And in this first episode, you'll hear Gray Davis explain how the whole circus began. If you like the episode and want to hear more, make sure to follow Total Recall, California's political circus, in your favorite podcast app. New episodes drop each week. In a world where the politicians just aren't cutting it anymore, one man has the courage, the skills, and the massive muscles for the job. We are mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. He's saved mankind countless times before. Now, can he save his state? And this is why I'm going to run for governor of the state. This summer, Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in The Governator. No, that wasn't actually a movie trailer because this wasn't actually a movie. The 2003 California recall was the kind of political circus that even Hollywood couldn't script. Well, brace yourself. In 60 days on October 7th, California will be hit by a political earthquake. It could be a big one. And shockwaves could be felt in every corner of the country. And just like that movie you caught on cable that one time... You know that somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor of California. I had it so clear in my vision that I would be the next governor. It was not even funny. But the details on how it happened, well, you're probably a little hazy on them. You may have forgotten that it was a special recall election. You may have also forgotten that there were 135 candidates. There were movie stars, porn stars, amateur sumo wrestlers— You may have also forgotten that there were allegations of sexual misconduct and white supremacy. You may have forgotten all of that because despite the fact that 2003 may not seem like it was that far back, it was nearly 20 years ago, two decades, back when I was starting out as a reporter at the White House. A source close to Schwarzenegger tells CNN Mr. Bush's words are probably all the actor needs right now. Yep, that's me, Dana Bash. Now CNN anchor and chief political correspondent. But back then, I was covering the 2003 California recall. And even I don't remember everything that went down. So you're forgiven if you don't either. But as wild as this election was, it had real consequences. The governor of California is responsible for tens of millions of people and one of the biggest economies in the world. And of course, there's another colorful recall election happening right now. 
this time to remove Governor Gavin Newsom from office. The ex-Olympian reality TV star and a former adult film star. Must be recall season in California. In retrospect, the 2003 election told us a lot about the political issues Americans are trying to understand right now. So in this series, we're going to take you inside the political circus of the 2003 recall. We'll walk through how one of the biggest stars in the world turned an election into a blockbuster and the controversial final days that cemented its place in history. We're also going to look at the 2021 recall election and see what lessons we learned from 2003. And you're going to hear my conversation with the man himself, the governor. They said to myself, this is the perfect time that you have to step in and say, I am the action hero use that kind of backdrop, right, in the movies and all that stuff. I'm an action here. I will create action in Sacramento. I will clean house. You can count on me. There will be no one in my way. But first, we're going to explain the perfect storm that primed California for the recall. This is Total Recall, California's political circus. My name is Gray Davis. I was the 37th governor of California, and uh, I was the subject of a lot of attention in 2003. And obviously, I ended up losing that election to Arnold. I sat down with former Governor Gray Davis over Zoom recently. He went to CNN's Los Angeles bureau to our new podcast studio. And when I hopped on the call, he was regaling my producer with California's political history. Every president, even those who were elected, who were Democrats, failed to carry California until Bill Clinton. Kennedy won the presidency, but lost California. Carter won the presidency, but lost California. Clinton was the first one in 92. Governor Davis spent 30 years as a player in California politics and was elected twice as governor. But after he was recalled, life settled down. A lot of good things have happened to us since I left office. My wife said life is so good that if she'd known that, she would have campaigned for the recall herself. (laughs) Just personally, as as a human, what's the biggest lesson that you learned from the 2003 recall? You know, in life, no one goes through life without uh, losing an election. Bill Clinton lost some elections. Uh, Obama lost an election, I think, for the state senator or Congress. You just have to realize that People have a reason for coming to that decision, and you may well have be, <laughs> be the cause of it, but that doesn't mean your life is over. Gray Davis seems almost zen about the recall now, doesn't he? But back then, he wasn't. The news was everywhere. The only way I could avoid it when I came home from work was to turn on ESPN. There was no way to escape it except bury myself in sports. Before the recall happened... Governor Davis says that although he knew it was a possibility, he wasn't worried about losing his job. I didn't really take it seriously. I mean, even Ronald Reagan, I think there were four or five attempts to recall him. Almost every public official is subject to a recall. Uh, At the end of the day, they generally can't gather enough signatures uh, to, to make it viable. So I knew it was possible. But I didn't worry about it because it's been a long time since uh, I'm not even sure if any recall against the governor has ever qualified before in California. Now, recalls have a long tradition in California, beginning in Los Angeles way back in 1903. 
It all started with a man named Hiram Johnson. Now, there's a story about when he was a kid, he and his dad went into a den of dishonest politicians. They were armed with guns and called them out for corruption. And that spirit followed Johnson throughout his entire political career. By 1911, Johnson had just been elected governor of California, and he wanted to give the people the power to deal with corruption, and not just in election years. So he did something about it. He campaigned successfully for three initiatives that had been on the ballot for over 100 years. The right to recall a public official, the right to essentially repeal legislation elected officials passed, and the right to write a new law. All of these reforms gave the people of California a level of direct democracy that was unprecedented in the U.S. at the time. And while recall elections across the country are actually quite common at a local level, recalling a governor doesn't happen very often. In fact, only two gubernatorial recalls have ever been successful. In North Dakota in 1921, and then not for 82 more years until 2003 in California. So why the long drought between recalls? Well, in a lot of ways, the conditions need to be just right. Governor Davis's administration saw not one, but two crises that whipped up the right levels of anger, resentment, and activism in California politics. The first, the California energy crisis. I remember a joke going around at the time, what's the difference between uh, the Titanic and California? When the Titanic went down, the lights were still on. In 2003, Tom McClintock was a California Republican state senator and recall candidate. Today, McClintock is a congressman, and he'll never forget statewide blackouts that were ordered back in March of 2001, when more than 1.5 million Californians lost electricity. We'd really never seen anything quite like that before. Okay, so here's how it all started. In the late 90s, California's economy was soaring because of the tech boom. Electrical power consumption was spiking. To make matters worse, there weren't any new power plants built in California for the entire decade between 1990 and 2000. Now combine that with hot summer temperatures and a drought and lights out. It was a nightmare scenario. Rolling blackouts started in the Bay Area, and then they spread all across California. The power just went out. No AC, no traffic lights, no refrigerators. A man was trapped in an elevator in the northern California town of Novato. At a farm in Fresno, turkeys were literally roasting in their barns with no way to stay cool in the 100-degree temperatures. For some, it was just an inconvenience. I can't imagine that they would allow businesses to be turned off in the middle of the day. For others, like folks who relied on home medical devices, it was life or death. People were angry, and understandably so. They were looking for someone to blame, and Governor Davis was at a loss. We couldn't believe it was happening. We, we had to figure out why is this happening. There were a couple of reasons. The first was deregulation. 
In the years before Gray Davis was first elected in 1998, the previous governor, a Republican named Pete Wilson, began selling big chunks of California's electrical capacity to private companies. The idea there was that if multiple companies could provide power to Californians, there would be increased competition that would drive down prices. But here's what really happened. California's approach to deregulation turned the market upside down. A lot of outside interests, a lot of Texas uh, energy traders exploited that market. Mark Z. Baraback covered the recall for the L.A. Times back in 2003. He says the power companies now had to purchase energy on an open market and then resell that energy to its customers. The problem was, with the market on the fritz, energy wholesalers started to manipulate the price of that energy. They would do things like shut down power plants for quote-unquote maintenance when none was really required. That limited the production of energy and prices shot up. People didn't realize the market manipulation. They didn't realize the profiteering. But the fact is all they cared about was they were hot and they were sweaty and their food was going bad. One of the companies responsible for leaving Californians in the dark, you're probably familiar with it. It's been all Enron all the time in the media as the scandal grows each day with the drip, drip, drip of new revelations. Yep. Enron the company whose executives were eventually prosecuted for pocketing millions of dollars from complex, off-the-books partnerships. It was one of the biggest financial scandals in history. Governor Davis pins the blackouts on companies like Enron and believes the energy crisis was one of the biggest nails in his coffin. We found out that Enron, who essentially wrote the laws of deregulation at the federal and state level in California and was sort of the leader of the pack, was a criminal enterprise. The problem for Governor Davis was that many voters didn't blame Enron. They blamed him. When the energy crisis hit, his approval ratings plummeted 20 points. And California Republicans said that he completely mishandled the crisis. Here's Congressman Tom McClintock again. It was a classic case of government running amok and adversely affecting people's lives. And people were feeling that uh, in their electricity bills. Businesses were feeling it. L.A. Times reporter Mark Baraback gives Governor Davis a little more credit. I personally think, and I think the evidence suggests, he was pretty much dealt a raw deal. I mean, you can criticize him for for signing these exorbitant contracts, but when you have people who are burning up their homes with no air conditioning and have food rotting in the refrigerators, you know, California was in a really, really bad way. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, but there's little doubt that the blackouts and questions about Davis's leadership in the energy crisis created a tempest of outrage among voters. And if one crisis wasn't enough. Davis had another problem that would prove very costly. Bye-bye, Mr. Gray Davis. I suspect that Californians won't be dry in their eyes if you end up recalled. Okay, you've probably figured out by now, that's not really Don McLean. It's a local California radio personality back in 2003. He wrote an entire song about all of Gray Davis's failures in office, including a laundry list of financial problems. Your deficit estimate did not reach quite as high as it should have gone. Remember, in 2001, the U.S. slipped into a recession and California was hit hard. 
The dot-com bubble burst, and many of the companies that were fueling the state's rapid growth collapsed. A budget crisis erupted on Gray Davis's watch. This is how Mark Baraback recalls it playing out. I remember one of his consultants telling me that uh, in one of his early meetings, he sat down with a group of Democratic interest groups and he's writing notes and, you know, filling, you know, we, we want this, we want this, we want that, we want that. And, and, and basically filled up an entire yellow legal sized page. And they said, and that's just the first year. And I think Gray Davis wanting to secure his reelection if he could and also addressing these pent up Democratic demands gave them a lot of things they wanted in the budget. And so the money flowed and to things that plenty of Californians valued, like education, health care for kids, and better pay for state employees. But still, money spent is money spent. Listen to these numbers. California went from having about a $2.5 billion surplus in 2001 down to a $38 billion deficit only two years later. And as the deficit grew, Governor Davis knew he had to start bringing in tax revenue to balance out the recession and that Democratic wish list. One of the things he came up with may seem like a really small thing, but it ended up being a powder keg. The car tax is a huge issue out here. Uh, Governor Gray Davis almost single-handedly tripled it, and now even he's talking about getting rid of it. Here's Mark Baraback to explain. I think California may be where car culture was born. So it's a really big deal. The car tax or vehicle license fee was what what folks paid to own a car in California. And I believe the car tax might have been cut under Pete Wilson. So it was one of these things where what they were doing was basically restoring what had already been there. You know, I don't think I have to tell any of your listeners, if you really want to hit a nerve in California, suck people in the tailpipe. (laughs) One thing I learned, when you give something to the electorate, you can't take it back. Is that why the car tax became such a contentious issue in the 2003 recall? When you go to register, um, it says, here's what you paid last year, and this is what you're paying next year. So it was just right in, in front of your face. This is a lesson that politicians learn from the city council all the way up to the White House. All politics is personal, and the one in charge is going to get the blame. Gray Davis understands that now. Do you subscribe to the old political maxim, the buck stops here? Yes. I take responsibility. I mean, I I had to leave office. But Governor Davis also thinks that he was hit with factors completely outside of his control. In the land of Hollywood, that meant running against someone who can turn an election into a blockbuster. Hasta la vista, baby, to the contacts. More on that after the break. This blockbuster of an election, well, it had a big supporting cast. Whether it was a former child star like Gary Coleman. What you talking about, <laughs> A political commentator like Arianna Huffington. Consider this infinitely more bizarre and embarrassing than Larry Flynn running in this race. Or even a comedian like Leo Gallagher. Mad as hell, Gallagher's mad as hell. But there was only one true action hero in this race, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was all at war. I saw Gray Davis as the enemy and I had him in my vision as the villain, just like in the action movies. In 2003, Hollywood was buzzing. There was Kill Bill. 
I would have to kill you. Finding Nemo. Dory, do you see anything? Ah! Something's got me! That was me. I'm sorry. <gasps> and of course, Terminator 3. What is your mission? To ensure the survival of John Connor. Terminator 3 came out only a month before Arnold Schwarzenegger announced his run for governor, and he carried the energy from one of the biggest movies in America right to the campaign trail. Gray Davis has terminated jobs. Gray Davis has terminated dreams. Gray Davis has terminated opportunities, and now it's time we terminate Gray Davis. While Schwarzenegger was campaigning against the car tax, he literally dropped a wrecking ball on a car during a campaign stop. Hasta la vista, baby, to the car tax. That makes it hard for a mere mortal. Yes, that's correct. It's very hard for a mere mortal. To run against. That's right. But, you know, that's why I'm not, I don't begrudge my career. I ran, I, I was in 17 races. I won 14 of them. And I did very well against mere mortals. And somewhere in between mere mortals and the action hero was another kind of candidate. The federal government wants to outlaw adult film stars like Mary Carey. As a California voter, you can stand by and watch this happen. Or you can elect me governor of California. Mary Carey was an adult film star when she ran back in 2003. She ran briefly again in 2021. Yeah, right when I announced I was running again, my old Playboy producer from Playboy TV, the first text he sent me was, you need to contact Anna Bash and get on her show. You need to talk to her. Yes. She told me all about how, for her, the 2003 recall was a wild ride. It was just kind of overnight being thrown into something I knew nothing about. I I did not know anything about politics, but I had to learn very quickly. It started with a call from Carrie's manager, who told her that maybe the recall could be a good way to boost her profile. He's like, as long as you don't have any felonies, you're over the age of 18, we'll get you the 65 signatures, which I stood and got, and I'll pay your fee for you. I always thought to run for office, you had to have some sort of, um, I don't know, like educational qualifications, you know? Nope. No educational qualifications. Just a clean record, 65 signatures, and a few thousand dollars, and you too can run for governor. Really not hard if you're uh, the comedian Gallagher or the child actor Gary Coleman or, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a porn star or anyone looking for attention to qualify for the ballot. Rick Hassan is a professor specializing in election law. And so 130 people got 65 signatures and... $3,000, and they got their name on the ballot, which was probably the longest ballot I've ever seen in any election. All in all, nearly 500 people, yes, 500 people took out filing papers. 247 actually filed them, and 135 people ended up qualifying for the ballot. This led to a pretty ridiculous problem for voters. When you have 130 candidates on the ballot... It becomes very hard to find the candidate that you want. And so you'd be surprised that a candidate named Schwartzman did pretty well, given that nobody knew who Schwartzman was. So why would Schwartzman do so well? Well, because the name is close enough to Schwarzenegger that people probably got confused. They may have been confused, but as Mark Baraback tells it, Californians could concentrate on little else. I've interviewed a lot of people, a lot of random men, women, cats, dogs on the street. And it's been my experience that, you know, you stop 10 of them, 
you know, you're lucky if five will, will, will stick around and, and talk to you. And the thing I, I, I remember so much about the recall, which we did a roundup where we went around the state and talked to, you know, I think when all was said and done, over 100 some voters, maybe 200. I don't remember the number. It was, you know, what we call a talker. And I went out and over the course of, I don't know, two or three days, approached 40 people and 36 of them stopped to talk about it. And, and the four who didn't were like legit, like my house is on fire. I got to go pick up my kids. I mean, they wanted to. You know, the point being, People were fascinated and energized and captivated, but it was in some ways very empowering for people. The recall was mesmerizing, star-studded, complicated, and the way Gray Davis sees it, as Californian as avocados, earthquakes, and plastic surgery. And if you don't like that, don't run for office in California because that's just part, part of the territory. The 2003 recall was, at its core, a question of whether the political power of Gray Davis could overcome the star power stacked against him. I think that there was, at the time, a lack of leadership. I felt there were mistakes that were being made. I think that the state was crying out for help. They felt like the politicians are not going to be able to change things. This is Total Recall, California's political circus. This podcast is a production of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is the executive producer and Haley Thomas is the senior producer. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan. Emmanuel Johnson is our associate producer and Eden Getachew is our production assistant. Story editing by Lacey Roberts. Mixing and sound design by Dan DeZula and Francisco Monroy. With support from Abby Sharp, Ethan Cohen, Nadia Lancy, Ashley Lusk, Rafina Ahmad, Lindsay Abrams, Lisa Namaro, and Courtney Coop. I'm Dana Bash. Thanks so much for listening. New episodes drop weekly, so do follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this show, you might like other CNN podcasts. Find them at cnn.com slash audio or on your favorite podcast app. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.